Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. You're done with your Oreo? Yeah, I'm done with my Oreo. Okay, good. Um, Do we really know what happened? The brother did that. The brother, that's what I thought too. I mean, that seems like kind of obvious. Hey, do you want to talk about death? Yeah, I mean, that's the murdery thing. Right, we both just got out of work, and we're like ready to relax, but we're here. We're ready. I'm excited, though. Yeah. I'm excited. I think it's good. Yeah, I think we we both said that the ones we're doing were, like, really weird. <laughs> we're Mine's like, not weird. Oh, that's right. Your Mine is very mysterious. Yours is, like, less mysterious, but still really interesting. Yeah. But we don't know what each other's doing yet, so. Okay. Yeah, it's a surprise. Yay. Oh, so what are we even going to talk about? What what What's going on? What, what show is are we? What are we doing with our lives? So, welcome to Mystery Murdery Thingy. I'm Chloe. I'm Mario. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's I appreciate beautiful. It. Uh, you're Mario. welcome. You're welcome. And so... I'm in kind of a weird mood. I guess that's appropriate uh, yeah. <laughs> for this podcast. I'm in a weird mood, too. I just... I need to get my hand just like, mm, I don't I'm know. like, I don't know how to explain it. I, I think it's a, I think I'm also having an anxiety attack. Okay. Right now, like, you okay. know what? No, I, you don't know what I, you, I can't even explain it to you. You don't even know what I'm talking uh, about. What, I know what no you're idea. talking about, but I, I've never, I mean, I don't know how it feels, obviously, it's but very, I know what you're referring to. It's very weird. It's very, there's a lot of thoughts going on. Right. And I need to. Racing thoughts. Get it all out. And it right. makes me uncomfortable. But I'm like, also like. Like smiling and shit, like I'm right. in a good mood. Like yeah, so there's like a man- go, go, go. No, there's like a manic aspect to it. Yeah, as well. it all fucks me up. Anyway, I I guess it's good for podcasting. Sure. Maybe you're gonna crash like right after this though. No. Yes. Probably. You're right. Anyway, welcome Anywho, to Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Wednesday, my dudes. Is it actually Wednesday yet? No. Yeah. At least 30 minutes. We're actually recording before Wednesday starts. Yay. Go us. <laughs> What's I going to say to you, Mario Silva? Oh, Whoa. are you doing a mystery, a murder, murdery, or a thingy? I am doing a murdery. I'm also doing a murdery. It's, it's been a while since we both Very murdery. Really? I'm so fucking excited. Nice. Okay. <laughs> you said you wanted to go first, though, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so I'm... Shall begin. Yes. Let it begin. Mario. Initiate. Energize. <laughs> Y'all ready for this? No. <laughs> 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 you can't see me, but I'm dancing. <laughs> 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 looks, uh, looks great. Chloe, would you say I'm a good dancer? No. I only gave you one option. <laughs> You're right, though. Yes. You are a good dancer if you're in a musical. I can When I can learn the steps and I can just, like, do my thing, you know, get into the character. I feel like I'm not a good dancer as myself, but yeah, I could be really a, not. I could maybe be a good dancer as, like, a character. That makes sense. Who is a, who's also not a good dancer. I could be good at that. Okay. See how I turn that around? See? That it's could like, work for you. It's like that song by Ringo. Um, what's it called? Um, you know, they're going to put me in the movies. I have no idea. Um, uh, oh, I forget what it's called. But it's like about how he's like a loser. And he's going to play a loser in a movie. And therefore, he'll be great at it. And he'll be really successful. Hire Mario Silva at 309-555-5555. <laughs> right. 555. 
Yes, Bye. call my agent at notanagent <laughs> at notanagent.com. Um, so who are you talking about? Right. Who are you talking about? Right, right, right. Okay, so yeah, I'll actually start now, now that we've gone on for a billion years about nothing. <laughs> so I am going to talk about the mysterious death of Gunther Stoll. Ew. One of the most mysterious cases in all of German true crime Gunther? history. Gunther. Gunther. I, I was like, Gunther. <laughs> yeah, my name's Gunther Stoll. That's what I was thinking. He was like from the West or yeah, something. No. Well, he's he might be from the Western part of Germany. I have no idea what part of Germany okay. this is. But anyway, um, to set the scene, it was Thursday, October 25th, 1984. Just a normal day for Gunther and his wife. Halloween. Unfortunate, almost Halloween. I was actually going to mention that. It was Halloween week, which gives it a whole mysterious air. Ooh, Halloween! Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. a normal day for Gunter and his wife consisted of basically of them sitting around the house. Gunter was not employed at this time. And Gunter basically muttering to himself about them. Them, them. They were going to come and get him. They were out to kill him or do him harm. No one really knew who they were. And it seems like basically Gunter was a paranoid schizophrenic, maybe, or Mm. something along those lines. He was prone to paranoid delusions, let's say. And his wife, the other people in his life, did not seem to take them... Terribly serious. What year was this again? 1984. Okay. Yep. So, Gunter, like I said, had been talking about the proverbial them for quite some time. So, there wasn't anything particularly mm. unusual about this and about him saying how they were going to get him. This was basically his modus operandi, to use the Latin. <laughs> if I may. Oh, thank you very much. Um, so, la vida. Right. Uh, Adastrum. So she, his, Gunter's wife, like Et everyone else. Brute? Sorry, that was late. <laughs> not, not good comic timing. <laughs> Let's work on that comic timing. I was like, ah, oh, things in Latin, things in Latin. <laughs> right. What are other things that Latin is? So basically everyone just thought these were delusions that he was suffering from. But on October 25th, 1984, things took a little bit of a turn. It wasn't so normal anymore when Gunter leapt up and shouted, Jetzt get mir ein Licht auf! Wow, did you practice that? I did, actually, yeah. It, it's, it's good. Keep going. One semester of German. Jetzt get mir ein Licht auf! Which, German, German, German. Which roughly translates to Eureka! <laughs> Very roughly. But that, that is basically what it means. Like, I've got it. I, but where does Eureka come from? I feel like that's not English. I don't know. Did Einstein make it up? I think it's a Greek word. Questions for later. Yeah. (laughs) If anyone knows what Eureka means, because we're too lazy to look it up, send us an email. Mysterymurderythingy at gmail.com. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Continue. (laughs) Right. Thank you, Hal. (laughs) Um, So, Gunther, after he'd yelled, Jetzt geht mir ein Licht auf! You can tell I like saying (laughs) it, right? He then furiously wrote... What appears to be the letters Y O G T Z E. Yes. Yogsi. This is the what most people refer to as the Yogsi case. Yes. The I G- remember only that. Right. <laughs> so the G also may have been a six. Bunch of other stuff about that. We're gonna get into some theories about the Yogsi thing later. But I'm gonna stop saying that so much as well about how we're gonna get into something later. But just that. The only time. Cryptically, he then struck out the letters as well. So he wrote this down real quick, and then he just furiously um, crossed out the letters right after he had written it. No one knows why or what that means. So then Gunter proceeded outside and drove off in his VW Golf, leaving his wife to wonder, what the fuck is going on with my crazy husband? Oh my god. (laughs) Who seems to be acting particularly crazy today. Um, not to use crazy in a derogatory way, but, I mean, he's acting a bit strangely, right? Even for Gunter. 
right? Because we're friends. Because <laughs> he died two years before I was born. Um, so Gunter drove off and went to go visit his favorite haunt, a little pub in the town of Wilnsdorf, a nearby town. He sat down at the bar, just like he always did. They got him his favorite beer before he could even take a sip. They said, hey, Gunter, here's your favorite beer. Before he could even take a sip, he falls down backwards, hits his head, injures his face, and briefly passes out. What? People there said... He wasn't drinking at all yet? That's what people there said, that he, he did not appear to have had anything to drink up to that point. Did not appear drunk or anything of the sort. He simply mm. passed out. He, when he came to, he walked out and again drove off in his golf. And for the next two hours, no one knows what he did or where he was exactly. So that's just kind of completely unaccounted for. One of the many, many mysterious parts of this story. Got it. For which we really have no explanation. Mysterious. It's so mysterious. Mystery. That's what we like. Mystery. Right. At 1 a.m., Stoll visited an older lady who used to be his neighbor when he was a kid back in his hometown of Heigerselbach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew how to say German words. <laughs> and apparently she was known as a very spiritual person. Mm. And this may have been why Gunther went to her. That's a little vague. A lot about this story is a little vague, so just have to. This entire podcast is a little vague. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) So I like to think of her, this old lady, as sort of the German Della Reese. You know, she's very spiritual, a calming presence that you would go to. You know, in a time of crisis, uh, to to try to get things together. You know, and get some spiritual advice. Unfortunately, it was about you know. 1 a.m., and she wasn't really interested in listening to Gunter's whatever he was talking about, which apparently was about a horrible incident that was about to happen, which is what he told her. Oh, wait. Yeah, so he said there's, like, this horrible thing that's about to happen. I guess she probably thought, okay, that's, that's Gunter talking about that stuff again. So what she said is, go home... Talk to your wife. Talk to your parents. I don't have time for this. It's one o'clock in the morning. Oh, so it was like super random. Yeah, it was super random. Like knocked on her door. Yeah. Um, So not really clear why he went to her exactly. But again, may have been her spirituality perhaps. Another two hours later, so this is now 3 a.m., two truck drivers find Gunter Scholl and his golf crashed on the side of the highway. Oh, shit. Both of them said that they saw a person in a white jacket walking around near the car as they walked up. That person then departed the scene before they kind of knew who he was or anything more about him. What? One of the truck drivers found Stoll naked, barely conscious, in the passenger seat, wounded very badly, uh, in, in his own car. The other one went to go call for help at a nearby uh, call box, emergency call box, which, of course, they had back in those days. Pre-cell phones, okay. So Stoll told that truck driver who went to go check on him that there were four men in the car and that they had all run away. Huh. The truck driver then asked Stoll, okay, are the, were those your friends or what? And Stoll emphatically denied that. He said, no. They were not my friends. Not really clear who they were. But Wait, he didn't know who they were? Or, or that's he, the question? He was, that's the question. But he was in such a state that, I mean, he, he was, like, barely getting these words out, right? It's like in a movie where they're, like, dying Four last words, right? Men, not friends. <laughs> right, but it was like, Four men, not friends. Oh. That was a really bad German accent. How do you say man in German? Do you remember? Um, me, mensch? Oh, wait, no, that's that's like uh, Yiddish or whatever. <laughs> man. I Wow. My one semester of German was about 10, 12, 13 years ago, something like that. So I don't, I don't really remember. I 
thought I was really hoping. I was really hoping you would know. Is it just like man? I think it is actually. I think it might just be like I'm man or yeah. I don't I really don't know. I'm not too sure. Sorry. So anyway, to get back to the story, um, Stoll denied that those men were his friends, and he unfortunately died briefly thereafterwards on his way to the hospital. So that's really all the information that they ever got from Gunter, unfortunately. When police started to investigate, though, they found out that, and this is really weird, that Stoll had actually been injured by being hit by a different car and then was put into his car and driven to a different location. And no one knows where that happened or what car that was or who hit him or why. So his car didn't actually crash there. It looked like it did. Or... Yes and no, it did crash, but his injuries were not primarily due to that crash. They were primarily due to him being hit by a car. Apparently, he was also naked when he was hit by the car. So apparently, that's a thing they can tell. What? Yeah, like I said, this is <laughs> weird. Well, I guess that makes sense. That he would have been so badly injured. Yeah, they could tell. Exactly, I'm assuming. They could tell, yeah. I mean, if you want to get into the morbid details, right? I mean, they probably found literally tracks on his body. I mean, I'm imagining that's probably how they knew. It's uh, gross, right? I mean, it's it's morbid, but, I mean, again, medical examiners, you know, things they kind of have to, like, think about, right? Um, so the official cause of death was ruled a vehic- vehicular manslaughter, but no one was ever, you know, arrested or questioned or it was just kind of they never really got past that kind of initial, you know, uh, part of the uh, of the investigation. But there was also a mysterious hitchhiker who was seen at the same exit where this happened. The man in white and the hitchhiker were never found, never identified. So presumably they might have been two people who were involved, maybe. But the, one, what, the one guy in the white really jacket know. seems sketchy. That one, at least, yeah, seems like that person was probably involved in this somehow, right? This is no fair. I really want to know what happened. I know, right? So, to this day, no one knows what happened. This We've, is like one that's frustrating. Like it's frustrating for me. Right, but just just because it's like it gives you this kernel of like, oh, this really dramatic scene. What could have happened? There are a lot of... too many whys in this story. Right. So, to kind of focus things on one portion of it, though, maybe the most mysterious portion, certainly the portion that has captured people's attention the most, is Yogtze. Y-O-G-T-Z-E. And and that's actually what the Wikipedia page is called. It's called the Yogtze case. And the Reddit page as well, called the Yogtze Fall case, which is another name for it. So there are theories about what this means. This Y-O-G-T-C-E, yeah, right? Yeah, let's hear some. Apparently there are no known words in other languages that are just that. Yeah. So we'll just eliminate that possibility right off the bat. It probably, I think, was simply the scrawlings of Gunther's unfortunate paranoid delusions. That's what I was thinking, too. There, probably there's no further meaning to it. But... It also perhaps could be a license plate number, and people have speculated that instead of an O, it might be a zero. Instead of a Z, it might be a two, or a Z, as they would say. Instead of a G, it might be a six. And it does actually look very much like a six when you actually look at uh-huh. it. So um, apparently, and oh, and, and there was an apostrophe in the middle, so it's like Y O G apostrophe T Z E. Huh. And apparently that apostrophe in the middle is consistent with a Dutch license plate. And Gunther did like to take vacations in Amsterdam. So there might be some kind of connection there. And apparently he did also have connections maybe to some seedier elements in Amsterdam. Although that may that part of it may not actually be accurate. So, again, lots of... mob and shit? Maybe. There's lots of mystery. But um, this hypothesis is also kind of undercut 
because he wrote this down, you know, hours before he was struck by a car. Yeah. You know, if the overall theory is, oh, he's writing down the license plate number of a car that's then involved in his death, then you'd have to posit some kind of precognition, which is, I think, one of the more outlandish kind of theories as to how all of this could be explained. So, is that Gunter simply had some kind of precognition of what was going to happen to him? I think he knew something was going to happen, but I don't think he knew what. But the question is, did he know something was going to happen? Or was it like that guy, you remember from the Wall Street bombing case, who kept telling people there was going to be a bomb on Wall Street? Oh, and it was just a, but like a, it was a coincidence? It was just a coincidence, because yeah. he like said that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and then it actually finally happened. Yeah. So maybe Gunter, it was just kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy that was eventually going to occur. Or maybe not. Maybe he really did know. What one of the, the and this is probably just completely a coincidence, but um Y O six T Z E is also a Romanian radio station's call number. So make of that yeah, what you will. Seems random. Very pretty pretty random. Probably just a coincidence. So something else that people have pointed out, um, which plays into the fact that Gunter Stoll was an unemployed food uh, scientist, engineer kind of person, right? That was like his specialty. Yeah. That TZE actually refers to a kind of flavoring for yogurt, I guess. So people have posited that maybe it could have something to do with that. Like YOG is like, you know abbreviated for yogurt. yogurt and then TZE so it's like something having to do with that okay. and then there's like this whole kind of theory that someone I think it might have been on Reddit or something that they've made this whole you know kind of leaps and leaps of whatever that somebody who was involved in illegal food engineering he found out about it and they had to shut him up because they they knew that he knew, and that's why he wrote down Yog TCE, and then they killed him later to silence him. I don't know. I mean, the, I mean, you can say anything. Exactly. About this case. I mean, the the whole basis of that is just a series of assumptions and suppositions. But, but exactly. what more can you do? You know. Right. There there are very few like known facts. Right. So. The other kind of two theories as to what it could have been, um, it might spell out the first letter of six words, perhaps. Y-O-G-T-Z-E. Maybe okay, it's like kind an of abbreviation. A, a cryptogram for, exactly. And upside down, it could also be 027906. And who knows what that would be. But when you look at it, if, it, and you look at the picture of it, and then you look at the picture of it upside down, it actually, it almost looks more like 027906 to me. Oh. So who knows what that could be referring to. So, again, none of these theories is terribly satisfying, but it's kind of <laughs> what we have to go on, right? Uh, there are some suggestions that some or all of this case could be simply an urban legend. So, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. But um, it was covered on a German uh, true crime TV show called Aktenzeichen XY Ungelust, which means File XY Unsolved, which sounds like a pretty interesting show. Yeah. Um, and they actually do... I tried to watch it on YouTube, but it's in German, and there are no captions. But they actually do, like, a a reenactment of, of the whole thing, which I think is kind of interesting. And there's also a magazine article from a magazine called uh, Autobild Classique that includes some photos, including photos of the crash scene. Uh-huh. So I, I think that that part of it, at least, is true. Like, there was this guy, there was this crash. You know, the, the basic facts that we went over, the, those do seem to be borne out, at least by that magazine article. But we will probably, like we've said several times already, never know exactly what happened to Gunter on that fateful night of October 25th, 1984. Right. But um, I like to think that perhaps he had some kind of foreknowledge, whether that was foreknowledge because 
He simply was involved in some kind of nefarious, you know, scheme about which we don't know, or he had some kind of ESP, right, where he was seeing kind of slightly into the future of this terrible incident that was about to occur. So, yeah, theories abound, but uh, that's, uh, yeah, the mysterious death of Gunter Stoll. Damn. It's it's kind of short. There's not too much, but I thought, oh, it's so interesting. That's it's so, so mysterious that you know so I, I wanted to run with it. Do you have a theory? I what I, and I know I'm not prone to think about these things like this, but I, I, I the theory that I like the best is that there was some kind of precognition that he was not a paranoid, delusional person, but someone who had a kind of Cassandra complex, right? Where he could see into the yes. future, but no one believed him. Yeah. And it ended tragically. So that's kind of what I like to think. So anyway, uh, my sources were, of course, Wikipedia. Wikipedia! Wonderful Wikipedia, the Yogg C. Case page. Uh, Les Hewitt at Historic Mysteries, a Reddit thread uh, on under Yogg C. Fall Case. Uh, von Klaus Schmidt at Science Blogs. Uh, Chaish Merriweather at Crime Viral, and the Yogsty Fall page on the Unexplained Mysteries.com. And there wow. you go. There's a mystery for you. Wow. Okay. Okay, so. Okay, Chloe, what are you going to do this week? Dude, I'm so excited. I'm excited. Okay, so I'm. T- oh, shit. Ooh. Oh, okay. I'm talking about the... <laughs> For those of you who can't see... I'm, like, trying to get comfortable. She, like, yeah, it's trying to get comfortable. Like, spill everything. Okay. Almost knocked a bunch of shit over. Now she's got a burp. Okay. Okay. I'm talking about the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Oh, okay. Uh, I've heard of that. Happened in Chicago. Right. So, February 14th. 1929, seven are shot and killed at a garage in Lincoln Park, Chicago. This happened during the Prohibition era. Mm -hmm. So alcohol was illegal. Right. So illegal businesses were booming. People were making money. Mm -hmm. Um, So this, we go to Chicago and it's, during this time, it's you can make a lot of parallels to like it is now. It was a hot spot for crime and a hot spot for violence. Um, and during the era, uh, lawbreakers were the people who who ruled. They had it all, and and it was one of those things where they would um, bribe police too. So some people were totally untouchable. Um, I was gonna say it actually reminds me of that movie, The Untouchables. Yeah. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. Where they they go in and they raid the the post office. Yeah. And then it's just like all these barrels of alcohol, <laughs> and they come in with with their like shotguns, and they're like, Mm-mm. and then I love the the scene where the guy comes in and tries to bribe um, whoever it is the the main guy. Yeah. And then he's he's like he's like hey yeah come in and then he's like he just tried to bribe me <laughs> like. <laughs> You're not going to be able to do this, guy. Like, we're not, we're the untouchables. Anyway, go on. So, like I said, during the Prohibition era, there was a lot of opportunity to make money, mm-hmm. to gain power. And just like in Chicago now, there was rivalries and power disputes, and those were all settled by violence. So, what I'm getting at is the gangs. The, this was, like, classic 1929 mobsters, gangsters, taking care of business type of stuff, you know? You're going to sleep with the fishes going tonight. Going to sleep with the fishes. And that's, re- that's like, really what it was. Like, killing people was just, like, business affairs. Don't forget like, the cannolis. It's nothing else. Like, you're handling your affairs, and you're right. taking down people who are in your way, and the people are eating your fucking cannolis, you know? It's it's business. It's business. Business. Look, man, it's just business. It's not personal. I just got to murder you. So, I think we both do a really great mobster accent, I have to say. Um, I think there are many different types of mobster accents, and ours is more... Duh. We are in Jersey, Italian. Oh, uh, like, yeah. Sausage. Right. We should be able to do that. Out of bears. Um, you sh- you think so, right? right? If we went to, like, L.A., people would be like, oh, you talk funny. Yeah. Anyway. Whatever. So, like I said, this was, like, some multi-million dollar shit. 
um, and all of it was underground. So there was bootlegging, gambling, sex work, and what I thought was really fucked up and kind of interesting was people, um, like the mobs, would take over businesses. Um, so if you, you have to buy this from me or we're going to have a problem, like I'm going to blow up your store right. type of problem. Protection rackets. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So what we've got here is the North Side Gang versus the South Side Gang. So let's talk about our main man, Alphonse Gabriel Capone. Al mm. Capone. Um, sometimes known as Scarface. He was the leader of the Italian South Side Gangs. Um, and I feel like just like a lot of mobsters within the family, you know, that he could be understanding and polite and generous if you were the one of the people who worked for him and who was on his side and believed in his cause and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, he was ruthless. She was selfless. And he was kind of psych- psychopathic. Mm-hmm. Um, dude didn't give a shit. If you were in his way, you're going down. That's it. Right. There's nothing you can do about it. So at this time, he was the most powerful man in Chicago. He owned half the city. Wow. Beer was a big thing during this time, too. And that's mainly where he got his money. Most of his revenue came from breweries, Mm -hmm. illegal breweries. So by 1929, his brewery operation was worth $60 million a year, which in today's money is $879 million. What? Dude was making bang. Oh, my God. It's because it was one of those things where, like, they made something illegal that everybody enjoys. That people who wouldn't normally go and, like, steal shit and commit crimes are going out to do it because they need their fucking booze. Well, here's the problem. When the government makes stupid laws, people don't follow them. Exactly. And when when the majority of people are like, this is bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) Like, ultimately, that's not going to work. I mean, obviously, we know that they passed whatever amendment it was to overturn it, but yeah. Um, So he also had a transportation network that Uh reached Canada. Wow. And you can actually, there's, like, tours and shit in Chicago because, like, his tunnels and stuff are, like, still there. Ooh. Yeah, isn't that creepy? I've never heard of that. That would be really cool. So, um... He was also responsible for, responsible for the increase in brothels during this time. Uh, so sex work was very popular as well. The oldest profession. The oldest profession. Mm-hmm. So according to uh, Guy Murchie Jr. of the Chicago Tribune, 33 people died as a consequence of Al Capone, and obviously there were more, because people don't talk. You're not supposed to talk. Don't be no snitch. Right. Um, Snitches. Get Stitches. As they say. Snitches get stitches and bitches get stitches. Anyway. <laughs> um, and that also, this is like whole massacre made me think, like, I wonder how often he was the one who actually did the dirty work. Sure. I bet, obviously, like at one point he, he was. But once he became the main man, mm-hmm. what, I don't know. I just feel like, what would it like to be, be Al Capone for one day? Mm, stressful. Know? Not when you're in your summer home in Florida. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Everybody's got their problems. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the other side. Sure. Uh, the North Side, who was led by Adelard Coonan, a.k.a. George Bugs Moran. So, like I said, he was the leader of the Irish, the Irish um, North Side gangs, and that... His um, rule started in 1927. The North Side gangs were previously um, ruled by a man named uh, Dion O'Banion. And this dude was also incredibly, incredibly ruthless. Sorry. Um, And uh, O'Banion had headquarters uh, that was disguised as a flower shop because he liked flowers and shit. And he actually provided flowers for gangster funerals. Wow. He could provide the flowers, and if he wanted, he could also provide the corpse. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly, you know? (laughs) What? Just all under one roof. I know. What a convenient service. He, so yeah, cold-blooded killer. Yeah. Um... And it's estimated that he killed about 60 people. Whoa. Yeah, that's fucked. Jesus. So he also had a huge brewery, uh-huh. and this was rivaled Capone. Mm. Capone was not 
happy about right. that. He was gunning for that number one spot. Exactly. And so was O'Banion and so was Moran. It was all street fights and rivalries and all mm. about power and money. Mm-hmm. So what I thought was interesting about the Irish gangs is that sec- they believed that sex work was immoral. Oh, okay. So that wasn't... Because they were, like, de- devout Catholics, I, I guess. suppose. Yeah. So that wasn't really, like, a big thing. So Moran started out um, in one of the smaller Irish gangs as a petty thief and a safecracker. So he's, mm. some, he's really um, quick. Yeah. Uh, he, they also say he wasn't, like, too bright. Like, he wasn't that smart. Hmm. Um, and he hated his nickname, Bugs. Wasn't a fan of it. Um, but he was aggressive, of course, hated Al Capone. He wanted to, he wanted to be him. I think, I think at least what I got from the documentary that I watched on the history channel was that like Al Capone, they were both equally, extremely powerful and extremely violent people. Hmm. But Al Capone was the one who kind of did it with finesse. Well, I was going to say, cause I've never heard of that other guy. Exactly. Whereas Al Capone is like the most famous gangster of all time. Yeah. So, like, clearly one of them had a better media operation. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, so, obviously, Moran wanted to expand. Uh, Capone wanted to expand. So, this resulted in deadly turf wars. Mm-hmm. And, like I said, killing was part of the business. Right. So, the murder weapon used in this massacre was the Tommy gun. Ooh. I didn't know about the Tommy gun. I didn't know how fucking terrifying they were. So... It was sometimes called the typewriter or the chopper. God. Um, Calling it the typewriter seems really weird. No, I mean, I know why. It just seems like you're making light of it or something. Like, no, it's not a typewriter. It's a killing machine. It held 45 caliber bullets, 800 rounds a minute. It could put 100 bullets in a person in eight seconds. So this was some crazy shit. It was lightweight. It was easily concealed. It was messed up. It was dangerous. And in the documentary, they talked a little bit about its history mm-hmm. and how by the time the creator like kind of patented it, World War uh, I don't know if it was one or two. I think it, it was been one, one was over. Right. And so it didn't. It wasn't that popular. So we tried to market it to other people, and the gangs and the monsters were mm. the ones who picked it up. So. Let's talk about what happened. Let's yeah, get down to it. Definitely. So the day, February 14th, 1929, it said that this was the climax of the violence between the two gangs. So Bugs Moran ran his bootlegging operations out of a garage on the north side, and that's where the shooting happened. So seven men were shot by four men using a Tommy gun. Two of them were dressed as police officers, and two others were wearing street clothes, cla- suit and ties, fedoras, dapper as fuck. Right. So, what I thought was really smart was that they, the the two police officers, quote unquote police officers, they went in first, mm-hmm. and they were like, "All right, everybody, up against the wall," and that's when Jesus. they started shooting. So the victims were five members of the Northside gang and two collaborators. So Moran's second-in-command and brother-in-law, brother-in-law Albert Kachalik, alias uh, James Clark, he was killed. Adam Heyer, the gang's bookkeeper and business manager. Albert Weinshank, who managed several cleaning and dyeing operations. Uh, and the two gang enforcers, Frank Goosenberg and Peter Goosenberg, the Goosenberg brothers. Um, there were, t- and then two of their collabor- collaborators were also shot, which is kind of unfortunate, unfor- but when you're doing business with the mob, I thought these people were a little more, in- um, innocent in general because they weren't in the mob, but, uh, Reinhardt H. Swimmer, he was an optician turned gambler and he was, so he was, a, he was associated with the gang right. and John May, who was, um, an occasional p- mechanic for mm. the men. So... Turns out, this was originally a hit for Moran. He was supposed to die, hmm. but he wasn't there. He oh. arrived minutes after <sighs> the shooting. Oh, my God. So what happened was one of the gang enforcers, Frank Gusenberg, was still alive when the real police ar- um, came. Mm-hmm. So he was taken to the hospital and stabilized. Police asked him questions, but he refused to talk. 
when police said, who shot you? He would say, no one shot me. I mean, he's already getting stitches. And what? May as well become a snitch at that. It's I a, guess it's, it's so brotherhood in, thing, it's so deeply you know? ingrained. Yeah, I guess so. Um, he had. Four- it just seems str- sorry to cut you off, but it just seems strange to have that much loyalty to the person who's trying to kill you. I guess, but maybe to them it's you don't. It's not loyalty to them. It's loyalty to this higher ideal of exactly. You know, you don't tell the fucking police anything. Yeah. Because they're the fucking enemy, right? Yeah. I guess that's the. I don't know. I'm trying to make some kind of sense of it in my head. Well, I think a lot of it was the police were the... I mean, they were also corrupted. Sure. But they were the technically the only ones who had, like, the, the real power. Right. However, there were some I read, because of all of these murders, uh, you would think the FBI would come in and stuff, but for some reason they didn't have any jurisdiction. Well, the the FBI didn't have jurisdiction at that point. That's what it um, was, okay. Right, and and actually the FBI, I'm fairly certain at that point, wasn't actually the FBI. It was uh, the, um, oh, what was it called at that point? Like the SS, some SSC or the SSO, or it was it was something like that. It was a, it was a different organization basically. So Frank Gusenberg had fourteen bullet wounds, wow. and he died three hours after the shooting. So what's interesting about this also is that this parallels to how the former leader of the Northside gang, Dion O'Banion, was killed. He was also killed by four gunmen and on his own turf and in the flower shop. Hmm. So two kind of different things happened. So we're going to talk about the original plan, and then we're going to talk about what actually happened. So the original plan was to lure Bugs Moran to a warehouse on North Clark Street. The intent was to kill him and perhaps two or three of his assistants or his main men. So it is usually assumed that the Northsiders were lured to the garage with the promise of a stolen cut-rate shipment of whiskey. So this is how they got in in the, in, in, in the first place. Sure. Like, we've got some whiskey... Um, it's, you know, high up. We, we've got loads of it. If you meet us here, we'll give it to you and y'all can sell it. How could you refuse? It was supplied by Detroit's Purple Game, which was secretly associated with Capone. Mm. So it didn't even come from, like, Chicago. Interesting. It came from an outside. And there's a, there's a whole other thing that they talk about between the Purple Gang and Al Capone and how some of them um, were main suspects in the case and stuff like that. So they agreed to meet in the morning, 10.30 a.m. The Gusenberg brothers were supposed to drive two empty trucks to Detroit that day to pick up the two loads of the um, stolen whiskey. All of the victims, with the exception of John May, the mechanic, uh, were dressed in their best clothes, and this was something that was normal for Northsiders. Um, And the reason that Moran wasn't there was because he saw a police car outside of the garage um, and was like something's up right and he just kept going so hmm. he wasn't there um so what allegedly happened inside the signal was given by one of capone's lookouts who was stationed across the street when he thought he saw moran enter the building hmm. what people think is that uh the lookout mistook albert Weinshank for moran as they had a similar height they had a similar build and they sort of dressed in uh had a similar style um, the two quote-unquote police officers told the men, they, they got in, told the men to line up against the wall, you know, give us your weapons, you're being arrested for this, this, and this, and then they opened fire So with the Tommy gun. So this place was littered with bullets. There was blood everywhere. Bodies were obliterated, and shots continued to be fired even, the, even when all seven had hit the ground. Like, there were post-mortem, like, wounds and stuff. Mm. So, and then... Which is pretty clever, in my opinion. Uh, the four killers took their took their roles. So the two police officers and the two normal dressed men came out at gunpoint, hands above their heads. So to witnesses, it looked like an arrest. Oh, that is so smart. Right. So they walked out. They just fucking walked out and got into their p- car. I feel like. That technique has been used in several movies since then. Yeah. And I wonder if it's based on that or, I mean, probably not the only time that ever happened. Yeah. But that's certainly a a pretty smart technique. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. So, yeah. So So that's why they had to have a real police car. 
Yes. Okay. So when the when the shooting happened, the two police officers were the one who came in first. They started shooting, and then the other ones came in right. and they finished too. Right. So afterwards, a neighbor went in to investigate the noise after. Okay. After he heard a mournful howl. He found John May's uh, dog. No, wait, wait, wait. He found his doggy. His name is Highbald. He's an Alsatian Shepherd. I found a picture. He's precious. He was unharmed. He was a okay. Um, that was great. Except Thank it's you. a it's a, a shepherd. So it's more like a ger- it looks like a German Shepherd kind of. Um, yeah, I found a nice little picture. That's Paws crossed, and he's so cute. I love him. Yes, we know how you love dogs. He's a legend gangster dog. Fuck you talking about, man. Right. That dog is hard, man. <laughs> I wouldn't fuck with that dog. Oh, my God. Canine unit. Right. Canine mobsters. Yo, I watched that movie. New show on any. That could be like a kid's movie. Yeah. Like, they have, like, the animated talking dog. Right. Like, gangsters, and that's kind of dark, though. Anyway. I feel like we're laughing way too much <laughs> during this one. <laughs> anyway, go I think on. the idea of mobsters is entertaining, and but I think... I guess it's, I like, think, bad people killing bad people, too. And I also think that we're kind of removed from it. True. True. Very removed from it. Almost 80 years later... Yeah. yeah, so there was a long, complex investigation right. that followed. It followed many leads, all of many suspects, but no one was ever charged. No wow. one was sent to prison um, for the murders. Hmm. So the actual assailants, the gunmen, we don't know for sure. However. Wow. There are some names in the Wikipedia article. There was a whole, whole section on it that I could have gone deep into detail about. Mm-hmm. Um, it was basically like, this dude was connected to this dude, and the Purple Gang leader did this, and right. Al Capone was talking to this guy, and he was talking to this guy, and like stuff like that. And one of the things that I found was that um, a wife wrote like um, a diary and talked about how her husband was supposedly involved wow. in it. Um, yeah, but during it, a lot of people were arrested, but then they were always released due to lack of evidence. Um, so obviously the, uh, the Northside gang, Bugs Moran, uh, they blamed Capone. Mm -hmm. Um, but Capone was at his home in Florida when it happened. It wasn't me. (laughs) It wasn't me. Yeah, exactly. Um, so He shaggied them. Well, <laughs> the spy who shagged me. Ooh. What does he say? Ba- like, um, ooh, baby. Is that what he says? No. It's groovy, baby. Groovy, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Ew. Austin yeah. Powers was, like, gross. And very creepy. But you know who's hot? Bay. Beyonce. <laughs> Cleopatra. Right. My name is Foxy Cleopatra. What a woman. I know. We should make a Beyonce episode. You know what's insane, <gasps> though? Dude, we should talk about the Illuminati. Yeah. That would be a big one. I think it'll give me a, an excuse to talk about Beyonce, too. Right, right. We could do a series on the Illuminati. I love her. But I was going to say, that movie was, like, what, eight years ago, nine years ago? And she looks, like, exactly the same. Black And she's friend. had, what, like, two kids? Three. Three kids. One of them were twins. It's crazy. One of them are twins. One, one of <laughs> sets. There was a set of twins. One set of twins. Do you have anything else? My sources: Wikipedia and the History Channel documentary, The Same Valentine's Day Massacre. Cool. And the History.com webpage that kind of parallels right. the two. Right, I got right, right. from there. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's. That's a good one. Isn't that a good one? Yeah. And it's interesting because I had definitely heard about it before. Like, yeah. It's a very famous event in, you know, modern American history. But I did not know that it was part of this, you know, kind of this whole lead up to it. And it was yeah. this kind of culmination of yeah. this rivalry between these, you know, big gangs in, in Chicago at that time. So, yeah, really interesting. Yeah, this was orchestrated, planned. Right. It's crazy. Mm, truly a massacre. And it's something that was rooted deep in just 
anger and rivalries and just history. Right. It was revenge for this, revenge for that. Well, I think it's very indicative that they kept shooting even after they were dead. Like, this was a crime of passion. You know, this... I know we said before, like, oh, it's just business, but, like, clearly there was more to it that was going on here, you know? And I guess this is kind of a question, but I don't really know if the the shooters who, like, came in, mm-hmm. I don't know if they noticed that Moran was, wasn't there, but if they thought he was there, then, of course, they were, like, banging, banging, right. banging. They knew, they, this, this, this massacre affected a lot of things. And mm-hmm. after this was basically Capone's downfall. Right. Um, this was a big, big deal. It yeah. ruined, a, not ruined, but it set a lot of pieces into play. Mm-hmm. And these were men who were close to Moran. Mm-hmm. These were some of his operatives. Like, we're, I heard about a thing. I'm getting you, you, and you. Let's go make some money. Right. Like, so that's why it makes sense that it's such a crime of passion. Right. But I wonder how it would have been different if they actually would have killed him. Yeah. I wonder if Capone would have become even bigger. I don't know. That's a good question. But I'm also wondering how long it was after this that he was killed by the police. Because um, he was killed like outside of a, a movie theater, Moran? right? No, 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 Capone. No, Capone died in Alcatraz. Oh, who am I thinking of? Bonnie and Clyde? No, there was some monster. That's a good one, too. That's not a mystery, though. It's not really a mystery, but But. there was some mobster that was killed. He was, like, walking out of a movie theater with, like, his girlfriend, and the police shot him. I feel like I went across that. I don't remember who it was, though. Are we doing an in in pod lookup? <laughs> yeah, but the internet down here is sketchy. It is weird. Yeah, the the podcasting layer does not have good Wi Fi. No good Wi Fi. Yeah. I think it has its days. So, yeah. you know what? We should get into what some weird, weird shit, shit in the news. <laughs> weird. Weird shit in the John Dillinger. Oh, that's who I was trying to think of. John Dillinger. Yes, yes, yes. Um, do you want to go first on the weird shit in the news? Weird shit in the news? Sure. Sure, Junior. Thanks. So, I have two weird, weird, weird in the news. Two weird shits? Two weird shits. You're taking two weird shits today? (laughs) Actually, this article is not about shit like the last couple of them have been. Sorry. Every weird shit in the news can't actually be about shit. That was a great coincidence. I know, wasn't it? (laughs) Um... But I I've also two. heard. Sorry to cut you off again. Uh, but I've also heard about that guy, like from uh, from men, like that story about the superintendent pooping on the. It's truck. like pretty popular. Everyone seems to have been talking about it. I, th- I think people just want a distraction, and honestly, but it's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah, oh yeah. god, it's so gross. I know. Anyway, I have two, yeah. but the other one you'll only get to listen to um, in our weird news extra, yes. extra, 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 we know extra, about extra, it. extra. Which we are actually going to record the second of tomorrow. Yeah, so, like, donate to our Patreon, you guys. That'd be so cool. We would be so happy. Let's do the weird shit in the news for you. Let us do the work. We appreciate you listening so much. Love it. If you appreciate us talking, give us a dollar. Anyway. Anywho. (laughs) Add over. (laughs) This is from HuffPost. Uh Uh-huh. And the title is... Woman allegedly blows up pea sample in a 7-Eleven microwave. <laughs> I like I like the use of the word allegedly in that sentence. <laughs> it like, says allegedly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> clearly they know that she did this. So the, this happened in, in Colorado. She was cited for property damage uh-huh. after she fucking heated up a white plastic bottle filled with urine in, uh, that morning. It blew up. Uh, the pee ended up dripping out of the microwave. And uh, when it exploded, she fucking got up and left. Done. And Accomplished what I wanted to accomplish. Yeah. What the hell? What was she... What? Maybe Maybe it was a fake pee sample and you had a heat... What? I died. I, I, I feel like the only explanation was that it was fake and she was trying to pass a drug test or some shit. Or maybe she just wanted to fuck with them. But she, it also says she told 
police that she threatened to call law enforcement. Oh, no. The on-duty clerk told cops. She was like, I'll call the police if you don't clean it up. And so she didn't. And so called the police. Um, but according to the report, she did come back, wiped up the microwave, but she just took napkins and wiped the substance on the floor before walking out again. So, yeah. And they used this joke twice. Um, <laughs> the on-duty clerk was <laughs> pissed. But, um, I feel like I would have said peeved because it it's like a little more subtle, but maybe also not twice. So, yeah, they said it twice. I don't know about that. I was like... Yeah. Okay, so my weird shit in the news... Weird shit in the news. ...is actually a bit of an update, and it is about a 14th foot. <gasps> a new foot! Ew. Another foot has been found. Take a shot. The, right. Everybody take a shot. In the Salish 14 Sea. 14 shots right now. Yeah, exactly. Dr- yeah, long, long-term drinking game. Every time they find a foot, you take a shot. Um, and uh, it, it's pretty similar to what we've seen before. The foot washed up on shore and somebody found it. This one was found in a hiking boot, which... Um, Isn't that... Aren't they usually runner They're... Almost all of them have been in running shoes. Now, I think they say in the article, um, which is a Washington Post article by Amy Wang, um, that all of the other ones have been found in running shoes, but I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true either. Because I, I feel like I, you talked about that it was most of them. It wasn't every single one. Yeah, because there was at least that one that I recall distinctly that was found without any a shoe or anything, but was in a bag, and they found it oh, under a bridge. That one's more sketchy. That one was the one that was different. Now, I can't recall specifically, but that may have been one of the ones that was found in Washington, and this article is, the 14 only refers, I believe, to the ones to that the, have been found in Canada. Yeah, 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 yeah. Different islands, different coasts along, you know, in the Salish Sea, but all, but it's all in, the same in, sea. in Canada. Yeah. Right, and then I think there are a few that have been found also in Washington. So apparently, this is a thing that's going to continue to occur. So as as remember, I said there's going to be another one. I predicted it. It was very easily predictable because it's say, happened thirteen times. Not that amazing. In whatever ten years. I mean, um, it is amazing, and you're spectacular. But um, if you want just a good overview of this whole story, this article's really good. It's got a map. It goes through the whole history of nice. it. Um, about how actually a lot of them have basically been solved, uh, including one that involved a man who went missing in, like, the 80s. Whoa. And his foot wasn't found until, you know, whatever, the 2010s or whatever. Whoa. And then also, you know, ones where one foot was found over here, and then months later this another foot from the same person was found over here. Oh, there was a pair? Uh, There have been a few pairs. Or at least a couple. (laughs) That's nuts! So, um, you know, go back and listen to our episode from episode six, I think it is. Um, uh, What is it? Uh, Severed feet in a gruesome pass. Uh, Or read this article, or both. You know, whatever. So, anyway, we'll keep our eyes on that, but um, Weird News Extra, I've got some good stuff for that, too. I'm, I'm going to be talking about pig brains, which will be cool. And then... Um, I'm not supposed to say. Well, just a little teaser. <laughs> and then we're, we're also going to uh, address some of the stuff with the Golden State Killer. Because yes. I wanted to talk about that, too, and the way that they found him. Yeah. Which is really weird and interesting. So be looking for that uh, here in the next couple of days. And, uh, oh, if you want to visit our Patreon page as well, um, we've got a video up there so you, you know, can kind of get a little bit of an idea of what we're about and, uh, put some pictures up there from Great Zimbabwe, uh, some other pictures of the podcasting layer. So get into it, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Tell your friends. Tell your friends' friends. Tell your friends' moms. Tell your friends' moms' friends. Tell... Too much? Too much. Give uh, your mom too much. us as a Mother's Day gift. Yeah. I got you a, I got you a, a Patreon subscription to <laughs> right. the podcast I like. I, Happy Mother's Day. I have subscribed in your name to a podcast about bullshit. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> Thanks. It's so great. Um, so anyway, we're we're probably done, right? Yeah, let's go to bed.
he left. <laughs> or I'm going to go edit this podcast now. <laughs> I love you for that. Oh, I love you too. Okay, bye. Yeah, people didn't already know that we're, <laughs> we're like dating and stuff. We're love to Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.